This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 54, and my guest is Amy Mockby. She is with the Individualized Early Childhood Consulting Company Work and Play. We had her co-founder, Emily Boucher, on the show in episode 45, talking about fostering independence in your children. And today, Amy and I talk about partnering with teachers and screen time and giving ourselves a little bit of grace as parents. Amy has been teaching preschool. She teaches the three-year-old class, which I had some personal questions about three-year-olds in school because I still have a three-year-old in school right now and we've been going through some things. So it was fun to talk to a teacher that's not one of my kids' teachers about some different scenarios, but she's been teaching preschool for over 23 years and has lots of experience. So it's a really great conversation, informative, and I hope you enjoy it. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Beam. Beam has this delicious nighttime blend. It's called the Dream Blend and is a powder that is a healthy take on hot chocolate that has sleep-enhancing vitamins, minerals, nano hemp, and more. And when you mix it with warm milk or hot water, it makes for a guilt-free, sleep-inducing, delicious cup of cocoa. I drink this every night once my kids go to bed and it's so good and it calms me and relaxes me for the night. They actually have a subscribe and save program as well. So if you like it, you can just subscribe and get that delivered to your house every month. They also have a great hydration line. If you are looking for a hydration line, if you are out getting sweaty workouts in runs done like I do most days, you need to replenish those electrolytes and their hydration line is just delicious. The recovery blend is my favorite. You guys can save 15% at Beam when you go to beamorganics.com and use the code Lindsay15. That's Beam, B-E-A-M, organics.com and use the code Lindsay15. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Amy. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Amy Mockby on the show. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so what grade or what age are you teaching right now? I'm teaching three-year-olds. Okay. Three-year-olds turning four. And how how long have you been doing that? Yeah, 12 years. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I have so many questions as I have a three-year-old right now. It's so different experiencing the preschool years your fourth time around than your first time around. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. I, I know that from my own experience too. It's every child is different. Um, and every time you go through it is different. I was just thinking this though the other day, so you can tell me the answer. Can you preschool teachers tell when it's a fourth kid or a third kid? <laughs> Here's what I think we can tell. And this is not always the case. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you always have that outlier who is not in the equation. You can often tell when they are the younger sibling uh -huh. or the only sibling. If they're only one child, um, you can often tell if they're the oldest or the youngest, not as often the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm a third child myself of four. So I always feel like how oh, I can spot a third child all the time. But um, I've, I've been wrong before. <laughs> But yes, you can definitely tell who has siblings, who has older siblings, who has younger siblings. You can usually pick that up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just remember with my first, it was like, he's such a leader. He's a good listener. Like all the praise, all the, all the first kid praise. And I just like, oh yeah, I'm doing a great job, you know? And I also at the same time was like, well, you don't see him at home, right? He's holding it together at school and then let's loose at home. Absolutely. And then my second, I didn't hear much from the teacher, but everything was always fine. And then we really started getting into issues with my third and my fourth, just as far as like 
playing super physically at school and being like really a little too aggressive probably for a school environment like aggressive in the way that you hang out with your brothers but not in a way that you should at school and so um, navigating that is hard because you know you have to teach your kids that's not appropriate for school yet they're still really young and they're used to seeing that being okay with their brothers at home because boys in their nature wrestle a lot. Of course. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And I also think for some kids also when they're, when they're younger siblings, they, they sometimes just feel more ready and more comfortable to go to school. They know, right. Going to all the pickups and the drop-offs and, and all those kinds of things they know about school. So they're a little less um, timid about going to school. Um, And sometimes it's just their personality, right? Some kids are just all out there, nothing, holding nothing back this is who I am. And, and that's okay too. But yeah, they, you know, it does, that's what, that's the beauty of going to school. I mean, I know, you know, we're always talking about that Emily and I uh, with work and play is that's really part of the learning process. That's why preschool is so important. It's the time when they're really starting to learn routines. They're starting to understand what it means to be in school. They've really never separated, especially now after coming out of what we've just come out of, you know, what, how to behave at home and how to behave mm-hmm. at school. And we're seeing that this year more than ever, because most kids haven't had much school experience or even play groups or play dates. I mean, it's been very limited. So it's, it's a whole new uh, animal this year for sure. I bet it is because I mean, these kids, especially the new threes, they really spent a good majority of their life during COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're finding it's a very, like much longer learning curve of how to line up, um, you know, how to sit on the rug for a story time, um, how to how to think about personal space, exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. But if they've never been in a room full of peers where they have several peers, kids their age, plus toys, plus all the stimulation, this can be a really uh, rocky transition in a regular year. But this year especially, it feels very stimulating to them. Okay, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Then I know that somebody had asked this question a while back. Um, I think that the time their child was probably approaching two and they were at this stage where it's like, we haven't had any socialization for our child because of COVID. And I think probably some nerves with going to school and, and all that. So as the teacher, what kind of information can you give a parent who might be nervous about that situation? That is the, definitely the biggest thing we're hearing this year, especially is parents are worried, um, not about, you know, that they didn't get academics, maybe with the older grades they are, but with the preschoolers, they're really worried about their socialization and that they missed something. And I have have two ways of looking at this. Um, There's no stopping a child from learning how to socialize, whether they're in school or they're not. They're wired to socialize. So even what they do within your home and within your family counts. So that, that shouldn't be discounted. They definitely have been socialized. They have been around people, even if they're only if they're around one person or one main caregiver, that is still interaction. And that's get their brain and help learn socialize, how to talk, how to communicate. Um, now, of course, when they're home, there's a different kind of feeling where they're more relaxed. They can maybe um, get away with a little bit of stuff that you can't get away with in a classroom. So that's the piece. That's the difference there. So I always try to reassure parents. They, it's not that they're not socialized. They most definitely are. Even though it's true, the little ones we're teaching this year have hardly been in a group setting. I mean, it's very limited. I mean, some of them maybe went to camps this summer or things like that. But they are socialized, but it's it's really helping them get ready to the for the routines that are happening in a classroom, right? In a school. And so that's a different, that's a different thing. So first take heart that they definitely got their socialization. Um, it's it was different, but children are very fast learners. Everybody, you know, you've probably heard that a lot, but they are. Um, so it won't take them long, but it may take them a little longer than usual. So I would guess by November, December, these these kiddos are gonna be like very settled in and like this is an old routine to them especially if they're struggling entering the school setting right now because we're still so early in the school year um it it, there's still a lot of bumps in the road you know whether it's bathroom accidents or pushing or being rough or calling out or whatever it may be call you know crying for mom or dad um we're seeing a lot of that but teachers know how to work with kids and families to get through that and they're going to all adjust beautifully it's just going to take a little time yeah you know, I have spent years with the hard preschool drop-off, and I, I think I'm a little calloused to it now 
you know, like, oh, it still breaks my heart to see my kid crying. But like those first few years are so hard when you're like dropping off a kid who's just like screaming bloody murder and you're like, is this child abuse? Like, should I walk away? Like I'm abandoning him. Um, I know. So talk to the those parents who are feeling like, ah, when they have those drop-offs. Yeah. So this is a big one too. Um, we get this every year. I mean, this isn't um, abnormal that we have people asking about transitions and, and kind of that separation that kids have that they get so upset. And, and P.S., parents get so upset, right? Just what you're talking about. Even if you've been through it, it still breaks your heart a little bit. I mean, I, I one of my kids was a crier too. Like it's really, really hard. Um, it, here's what I would say. This is, and this is something that I know that we'll talk about today is, is really using your teachers as a resource and as a partner, um, in helping this transition. So if you know that your, your little one is always has a hard time separating, or most of the time has a hard time separating, Anytime you can give a teacher a heads up on that is going to help, right? So you can talk about it and the teachers can give you some, um, some tips and tricks that work for their school setting. Um, but I always say um, with parents, especially a couple of things you can do. And, and at this point in the year, if you're still having a child who's, who's crying and really having a hard time separating, now it's like almost become their routine, mm -hmm. right? So most kids will kind of go through a phase and it drops off. Some kids will keep crying. Some kids will cry in the beginning, stop, then start crying again when they realize they have to keep going to school. Yeah. Like, hang on, I didn't know this was going to keep going. <laughs> um, but great thing to do with them is leading up to going to school. And even the night before, if you start hearing some things about not wanting to go to school, really important to keep it as positive as you can. I mean, kids are, they pick up on our, our moods, they pick up on our worries, they pick up on our stresses. So anything you can do to put on a brave face for your kiddo and, and reassure them, even if you're nervous too, um, that it's going to be okay, that school's a fun place, school's a great place for them. Try to focus on the things that are beyond the saying goodbye part. Um, like if you know they're going to have music that day, if you know they especially love the playground and it's a beautiful day, you know, try to start thinking about the positive things to get them over that hump so that they can, um, you know, stop focusing on the goodbye part mm -hmm. and also reassuring them that you know when to come back. There's a plan for pickup, whether it's going to be you or a caregiver or a partner saying, this is our plan. I'm going to be there. I promise I'm going to be there. And your teacher is there to help you. And, you know, helping the teacher know things you know, just that, you know, my, my little one's coming in nervous today because some kids don't cry, but they do act really nervous. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes uh, we as teachers don't always have all those nuances with the little ones. Um, you know, anything a parent can tell us that will help us get to know your child. Um, and, and, you know, it's not, not even oversharing, but just saying, you know, this is my child. When they get nervous, um, you know, they might sit by themselves for a while. When they, when they feel like it's overwhelming, they may need to go look at a book. Um, they may come to you. There may be a certain phrase they use. Um, and, and this year, especially, um, you know, like for, I know in my class, we, they're starting to wear masks and it's, it's hard when we can't see their whole face. So mm -hmm. I'm really looking for parents to tell me, me those tidbit and um so that I can you know kind of skip ahead so I if I can't read the face which I feel pretty confident doing having been a teacher for you know 25 years I can usually read a face I can read if it's a, I have to go to the bathroom face or it's I want my mom face it's a little harder now so any anything we can do to partner with the the parents to help us understand these guys as individuals really is helping especially now with these transitions that is so hard. You know, we were gone for a week because we traveled home to Indiana and we came back and my, and then my son had a cold. And so we waited to send him back. And then when he went back, he, my youngest, he just like, school is scary. My teachers are scary. I mean, he was hysterical when I was dropping him off and I was thinking, can we wait to put this mask on his face until he's done having this like yeah. meltdown? Because I couldn't handle the thought of like, you're crying and you're freaking out, but let me also put a mask on your face right now. I and I, I think know. they waited, like he didn't have yeah. one when I pulled I away. Mean, do. We'll sometimes sit outside with them. Yeah. Certainly give them their space if they need it. I mean, they're so little. So it's really important that they feel safe and they feel like you, the teacher is there to, to take care of them too, right? Yeah. When their parents can't be there. And that's, that's a big, um, you know, learning those school behaviors is seeing teachers as, as caregivers too. Um, you know, I can't say enough about that with preschool teachers. We really do want them to feel safe and like they can come to us and, and you know, tell us what they're feeling or tell us how they're doing. But we also really rely on the parents because sometimes we, we don't hear things. And so the parents, the 
parents might hear something. So I'm just always so grateful when a parent reaches out and says, you know, I'm not sure if you knew about this, but mm. this happened on the playground or, you know, you know, they came home talking about this that they saw with another friend and, you know, just trying to give you, you know, can you give me more information? And, and we do the same, you know, when we hear or see things, we'll reach out and say, can you help us understand this a little bit better? Yeah. Um, I, my, I'll stop giving real life examples and we'll move on to our tips, but my last thing is also last week, my four-year-old, so my one that's a little bit older, is like gets in the car and he's like, I did not have a good day. I made bad choices. So I was like waiting for the email to come from the teacher. And then I got an email from the teacher that just said something about how I might want to get his eyes checked because he was like looking like squinting. And I was like, oh, so then I brought up what he said and she was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't even going to mention it. But, you know, X, Y and Z happened. He was wrestling and then he pushed someone and he, you know, we we figured it out. But I'll let you know if it, you know, becomes a continuous problem. But I was like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm glad because you can't report every little thing. But I do realize that when there's an ongoing issue, like. We need, I need to know, but I was also super proud of my son for like being, I don't know if he came to me because he thought the teacher was going to come to me or he just like needed to get it out. But yeah, so it's the self-awareness that he was showing yeah. you that he knew oh, that didn't feel great today, but you know, it's always tomorrow. Day. Yeah. <laughs> always what we say tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow, a new day. That was the other mm-hmm. podcast name for this show. We decided oh, why, yeah. on why is everyone yelling, but I kept thinking, <laughs> a new day because whenever my kids melt down at night, that's what I always say. I'm like a new day tomorrow, a new day tomorrow. But I kind of felt like it sounded like too new agey or something. Well, they're both, both perfect names for parenting. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to both. Yeah. Hey friends, a quick break here to think a new sponsor for this podcast. And that is Lily Trotters. I've been partnered with Lily Trotters compression socks for many years now. They've been a sponsor of my other podcast, which is for runners called I'll Have Another. And I can't tell you enough good things about this company. They're strong enough for a marathon, comfortable enough to wear for hours. And they're also very pretty and cute. And you can put them in any shoe. You can wear them with your boots, with your running shoes, whatever it is. They have all sorts of different styles. They have compression socks that go all the way up to your knees, but they also have cute compression crew socks, which are my personal favorites right now. And compression socks are great for recovery and workouts, but they're also great for travel. They're great if you have to stand a lot, if you're pregnant, they're great for vein health. They make our legs feel refreshed and energized, almost like they're getting a little mini massage because they increase blood flow from our legs to our heart and raise our blood oxygen level. Good stuff with Lily Trotters and they're super cute. Also a woman-owned company, which I love. You can go to lilytrotters.com and use the code ANOTHER. That's the code that I've been using for years with them for my other podcast. Use the code ANOTHER and you'll save 25% off your order, which is a pretty big percentage. Also, this is a great gift idea for someone who just had a baby or someone who's newly pregnant or someone who just ran their first marathon. Just a great gift idea. So treat yourself and then treat your friend. Go to lilytrotters.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will save you 25% off your order. All right, back to my conversation with Amy. Let's talk about um, parenting and working with the teachers for support and like supporting one another. So do you have some tips that we can talk through there? Absolutely. So, you know, the first thing is what something I've already kind of mentioned is really making sure that you're seeing the teachers as a partner. So I always go into every school year using that language right from the get go with parents that I see this as a partnership, especially if you have a little one in preschool. But this is true in elementary school, too. Um, you know, seeing them as a partner is is so important in that you see them as someone who's going to work with you and and work with your child to you know have them do the best they can not be perfect, not, not always, um, you know, doing the right thing or making the best choices. But if you really can start to see your teachers and some people do this naturally, but some people, and I get as a teacher myself, I sometimes would go into a school thinking like, Oh, I'm feeling a little nervous. I better put on my best, you know, I'm going to put my best face forward. Like, Oh no, we're okay. You know, we didn't have a meltdown this morning. Like, no, it, 
no problem getting her shoes on to get her here, you know, <laughs> but the more I, you know, learned as a teacher and the more that I learned as a parent, it's, I, I see it more and more that, um, you know, teachers are people too. Um, they understand um, and seeing them as a partner, you're, you're helping each other. Really. It's us be a better teacher to your child. And it's also, you know, help we can then in return, support your child and help them succeed and feel comfortable and safe in school. I mean, my, my biggest goal is that, um, you know, children love school. My, I, it's the biggest part. We say this, my husband and I say this about our own children, whenever there's an issue, like as soon as they don't want to go to school and they don't like school, then we have a problem. Like, it's okay if they don't do well in the math test. It's okay if they get an argument on the playground. But if they don't want to go to school, then I've got a problem. And, and that's the same as a teacher. And Emily and I talk about this all the time. Like that is that's our biggest job when they're in preschool is to have them love school. So partnering with your teacher um, as a parent is so important. And, and just really even when it's getting rough, because sometimes I think parents do want to kind of gloss over the stuff that they know. Right. Like parents, we know our kids like, you know, your ch children better than anyone. We always tell parents you are their first teacher like way before us, right? From the minute they're born, you are their first teacher. And so you know them better than anyone. So, um, you know, I you wanna put the most positive light on your child always, but if there is an area where you feel like you're struggling as a parent, uh, managing something, um, even if it's, you know, if it's tantrums or if it's transitions or if it's separation or, um, you know, whatever it may be, or, you know, just, uh, you know, you're not sure how to manage some things or how they're doing in school, teachers are an amazing resource. And that's one of our tips too, is when you are really at your wits end and you're kind of like, I do not know what to do next with this kid, go to your teachers. And, you know, they can give you so many tips, whether it's a book to read or a podcast to listen to, or, um, you know, a specialist to talk to, or just to give you some reassurance that this actually sounds pretty okay to me. This seems like an, an, a pretty normal thing for this age. Because um, sometimes I think, you know, Emily and I are so, we're so deep into child development and parenting and being with preschoolers and, and elementary age kids that we sometimes take for granted that we understand certain things about development and how children develop and what are the, the kind of norms within the typical range of things. And parents don't know that, right? It's, it's something that you don't just naturally come to. Um, so using your teachers as a sounding board would be another one. So when you're really kind of, you know, not sure where to go next, I would say, don't forget, of course, we always say, oh, you know, you can call your pediatrician, definitely call your best friend, call someone like us at work and play. But don't forget to put your teacher on the list, because teachers know your kid, and they have such a unique lens on your child that you wouldn't have even like that you don't see your child in a classroom setting. So they may have a different way of um, framing the behavior or a, a solution. So just definitely use them as a sounding board. I mean, don't we all want to have like a camera and see what does my kid really do during the day like I love it you know we all love it when we get pictures or whatever because it's like how are they acting when I'm not around I love that we always <laughs> we're always saying in parent teacher conferences when we describe kids how many times the parent's face is looking at us like, like are what? you crazy that is not my kid <laughs> yes I know our our third grader, his teacher just sent like this video of them in music class doing a dance to Michael Jackson Thriller. And I was like, I can't believe he's all up in the front, like doing all the moves so outgoing because he's he can be a little bit shy sometimes. But it's so fun to see like just it's like them becoming, you know, like a little like self-sufficient, you know, just like they don't need he doesn't need me there in school, obviously, at third grade, you know. Of course. Yeah. And that is a big part of school, like having that autonomy, like this, they're becoming their own little person. Right. So even in preschool, it's, it's something. And I always tell parents when I'm you know, saying, Oh, you know, he's such a great help at cleanup time, or she's such a helper when someone's sad and they're so shocked by it. And I'm always like, well, pat yourself on the back because yeah, that is a big win when your child knows what to do in school. And even if they fall apart at home, then you're doing your job because <laughs> that's what you want them to do, right? Like home is the place to test the limits yeah. and blow off the steam and, you know, really push it. And school really isn't the place for that. So, um, you know, I think that's always a good thing. But parents are always shocked. Like, well, how can you help? How can I get how them to clean up at home? home? I know. What do I need I to do? What special cleanup <laughs> song are you guys playing? <laughs> I hate to break it to you. It doesn't work at home. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is so true because oftentimes when we have meltdowns, I'm like, 
would you act like that in front of your teacher? And I probably shouldn't say that, but it's like, that's how I feel sometimes because especially with my oldest, I get such glowing reports, like from second, from when he was two till now, just like the best reports and, you know, just epic meltdowns at home. But I know that's normal. Yes. And good job. See, you're doing a great job. Pat yourself on the back for that one. (laughs) Oh, but the meltdowns, they are intense. Um, Okay. What are our next tips? So, you know, this is a big one. And I know as a teacher and as a mom, so I have three children myself. None of them are in preschool anymore. But right now I'm in like that crazy time when I have a child and I have my three children and they're each in a different school. Okay. So how old are your um, kids? So I have, I have a, I have a 14 year old who's a freshman in high school. I have a um, almost 13 year old who's in seventh grade. And then I have a fourth grader who's nine. Okay. So I have a boy and then two girls. And I will say that I am definitely very guilty of not reading everything that comes home. Okay. Oh, (laughs) me too. So much information. So many signups and newsletters and um, expectations and uh, whatever it may be. And I, I have to say, like, that is one of the things that, that is important to do is to do tune in a little bit. So, you know, and as a teacher, I mean, I try. And I think if there are teachers listening, I'm sure you do this too. And if you don't try to do it, because parents right now are so taxed, right? Like people are working from home. They're, you know, shuttling kids, getting used to being back in school, um, trying to get, you know, back to some normalcy and parents are just fried. I mean, right. I mean, we're just fried and teachers are too, by the way, like this being out of, it felt like the summer was nothing because we were so wiped out from the year before. And now we're back. And what I would say is I try to always front load everything I send out with just like bullet points. Like these are the highlights. If you're a parent who loves to read this stuff, there's more below. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, anytime teachers, any teachers out there that are listening, we can do that for parents. I, I take that as a parent myself as a gift. I love it. But also knowing what things you need to pay attention to, right? Like I know that teachers in my schools have websites and I could go to them and get tons of information and, um, I don't. I typically don't. I do trust my teachers and say like, okay, if I need to go there and do that extra work with so and so, they're going to they're going to, you know, tell me. But, you know, knowing what you need to pay attention to is important. So reading some of the stuff, I guess would be a tip because I I get it. It's super overwhelming. Um but that is one of the best ways that we have to communicate with each other. So anytime we can do that, um tuning in a little bit, which, and that's not to give any parent guilt here because I am hundred percent feel so guilty. I actually set aside a time and Friday nights when I try, like, I'm like, my husband happens to work nights, so I'm fine on a Friday night. And I just like, I'm like, all right, this is when I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go through all these emails and I'm going to delete the ones I don't know. I'm going to write down the stuff I didn't do. And we're going to just put this week to bed. (laughs) So if you can find a time to do that too, I think that's a good tip. Um, of weeding through all the stuff. Cause you know, there's, there's always something that has to be returned or a survey or whatever it might be. Yeah. I was just listening to someone talk about this and she does says she does it on Sunday nights, like pick your night to do it. It sounds nice. I never can get organized enough to do it. And I just saw some like thing floating around Instagram that was like, I just want to make an announcement that I'm quitting my full-time job to focus solely on reading all the communication from my kids' schools. (laughs) I've seen that too. And it feels like that, honestly, <laughs> it feel that way. So, you know, I always say like less is more teachers. And I know, and I'm a wordy teacher. So I'm like always trying to condense, 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 because I get it. We're just, parents are fried. It's too much. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to figure out like this um, way to be like involved enough, but not too much, like not overwhelming for the teacher or my kid, but like involved enough that the teacher feels supported and my kids feel supported. I know. And that's the key. That's the sweet spot. So if you can do that or just work towards it, I mean, I don't know that anybody's going to do that every single day, but having that kind of that mentality, I think is a great first step because that's going to help everybody, right? Because if you feel connected with your school and you're connected with your child, obviously it's going to make everything better. You just, it's, you have to have like even just a little bit of, you know, information and, and investment into that. It really does help. And I'm a, you know, I'm a parent who's never around. I mean, I can never do drop off. I can never yeah. do pick up. So it's like, I, it's, you know, I always miss the first day of school. Um, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that get tricky. Um, and I know a lot of working parents are in the same boat. So, you know, 
doing what you can and, and figuring out how to still feel like you're not um, totally checked out from it. You know, find find what works for you. I think that's great advice. It's hard, though. Be- like you said, a lot of working parents are in that same situation. But I mean, unless you have a job that you have to be at, like you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a lawyer, you have a job where you have an exact time, you always have to be there. But a lot of people do have a little bit of flexibility where they can do those morning drop-offs like at the first day of school and stuff, which is really nice. And I I just want to say, don't take it for granted if you can do that because people like Amy can't. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I mean, and, and you know, it's great if you can. And it, it's I think it's a great thing, but not everybody can. And, you know, I also, I mean, I have to say like, find your village. Like that's another thing as yeah. far as like working with your school because you know, there are times when I have to just call in a friend and say, can you help me? Can you be there at the Halloween parade and take a picture of my little one? Like, can you be there for me? You know, and, and we have to have each other's backs. And so um, I think finding your village in that way to connect with your school really helps too. And and knowing who you can go to, you know, I always have at least one or two people in each of my kids' classes that I know I can, I can text late at night and say, oh, did I miss the field trip thing? Yeah. Like, did I, like, did I forget? Like, did that already pass? Did I pay my dues? Did you do that? Like, you know, having that person, that connection and the older your kids get, the harder it is to have that person. I'm like scanning the list. Uh-huh. Like, these people. <laughs> yeah. They're all busy too. I mean, it's hard. Um, I was so proud of myself because they're doing a pumpkin patch trip next Wednesday. And today Great. was the last day to get the money in and the permission slip signed. And I turned it in. I was so proud of myself because usually I'm like the annoying parent that's doing that like day of like, oh, can we still turn this in? Me too. That would definitely be me. And I have to say my children know that about me. Yeah. And so now at this point with my older one, all of them actually, even my nine-year-old, she'll say like, don't forget. I a book know. I'm like, thank you. We'll do that. But, you know, I think there's a, there's something to that, right? Like we're taking care of each other. They yeah. know that I will help when I will help them when they need it. And they will help me when I need it. So, um, my oldest two, they had school pictures the other day and they were freaking out about me not filling out the order form. And my oldest thought that if I didn't fill it out, he wouldn't get to be per- participating in the pictures, which some kids would be like, yes, I don't have to do it. But he was so worried that if I didn't send that form in, that he wouldn't get his picture taken for the yearbook, I think. And I assured him, I was like, trust me, these photographers give you ample opportunity to pay them money for these overpriced pictures. All these packages. (laughs) And then they also just joined, they're joining a little Boy Scouts crew here. And um, they've reminded me to order their uniforms about four times. And he's like, I want to sit next to you and see you click send. <laughs> I can relate to that. One. A lot of us can. I mean, I know some people have that, that, like that talent, that gift that they get that <laughs> stuff done. I am not that person, but wait, I do get by. So, and so do you. So that's, you know, good on us. We're, <laughs> we're okay. We're teaching these kids to be resilient when fine. they don't get things right away. No instant gratification in the Hyde household. <laughs> I know. Mine either. Don't worry. You are not alone in that. So So. should we move to balancing screen time? And I'm, I'm interested in this topic with the young, young kids because, Mm -hmm. well, and you can talk about it with older kids too, because you, you know, you teach young kids, but you have older kids and man, we have tried very hard to limit screen time, mostly because, um, I noticed, especially with video games and by the way, listeners, we're going to have a specific podcast about gaming and having a healthy relationship with that with kids soon. So, um, right. but that's one of the reasons I limited it. Cause I just noticed a behavior shift that just wasn't, it just wasn't good. So, um, I'm just curious your thoughts on screen time and, and these little littles ha- even having screens mm-hmm. as a teacher. Absolutely. So, you know, we actually just, uh, Emily and I just did a blog post on this recently. So there's a lot in there um, on our website on work and play. But um, so this is, this is a situation where I always tell parents, um, this is a really personal decision. Yeah, it really is. Okay. So that's the first thing. And like, as a teacher, as a mom, as doing work and play parent coaching, like, I have no judgment on this and every family is going to be different. Even amongst Emily and I, um, you know, we, we've done it totally differently how we handle screens. And it really, for me, it goes back to knowing yourself as a parent and knowing your children. Okay. So the first place to start with screens, even with littles is thinking about what purpose are they serving here? 
-hmm. right? So when I had really teeny tinies and I had my first two were only 16 months apart. And so to like survive and get a shower, yeah, I would turn on Sesame Street or I would, you know, let them look something on my phone. Like, you know, I would say like, here, sit here. I can see you from the shower and I'm in a shower. You know, it was a survival thing, right? Um, like this is going to get to be able to this quick, whatever it may be. So it served a purpose. So I guess my first thing would be to say, know yourself as a parent, know what they're serving. So if they're serving a purpose, it's helping you be a, a parent that can be happier and more productive and, um, you know, kind of be able to be the parent you want to be, use them how yes, you feel. I love that. Right? So, so don't, don't discredit that. Like we always say, you know, we're always thinking about the kids um, and what impact it has on them. And there definitely is a lot of, there can be positive and negative impacts of screens on children, young children to, to old children. Um, but, you know, it's important to not take us out of the equation as parents, right? We're in a generation now where these children are 100% going to be around screens, right? There's no avoiding it. They're getting them in school. Um, you know, they're getting them sent home, right? Like all, I know in our, our district, there's, you know, they have Chromebooks and they, they have, they're reliant on these. And I get it. They had to be. That's how we had school over the last uh, 18 months or so. But, um, you know, we can't avoid them necessarily but I think really knowing as a parent where you stand on it and what they how they can serve your family is the perfect best place to start um from there if you decide you're going to have screens um you know then you want to really create a routine and structure um and for some families and again no judgment that the limits can be really wide open and yeah. really great um and, you know, for me, I can say I was definitely, you know, my kids would tell you like the strict mom, like I didn't, they didn't have phones for a long time. I, I don't, haven't let them get social media till they go to high school and, and sidebar my son's in high school now. And he's like, I don't even want it anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> but let me tell you, like my sev my seventh grader is like, give me the social and media. that's the girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah but we just haven't done it. And I'm going to just, just want to, you know, you have to come up with your structure. And again, that was me. Like I, I knew myself as a parent, what I could deal with and what I could monitor. I'm not home all the time. I, I can't be with them all the time. I do need them to have phones. I need them to be able to communicate with me because I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not always a pickup. Um, I do want them to be able to tell me, you know, what they need and where they are, especially um, this is my middle schoolers and high schooler, but you know, I, I do have, I've had structures all along. Um, even when they were little, you know, knowing what worked for me as a parent, you know, probably may not work for my, um, you know, my, my neighbor, my, my best friend, my, you know, whoever it may be, my sister, um, we all are going to have really different takes on what's going to work for our families. And so really, honestly, we have to think it through. I mean, that's the thing about screens. I mean, there's so many ways this can go wrong. Um, we have to think through what our structures are, what, how it's serving us and what our structures are and our routines are. So um, think it through as a parent and think it through for your child. Now I have one of my children really cannot, once she has a screen, she can't, she can't separate from it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a really hard, hard thing for her. Like it's just limits, timers, you name it. If for her, her temperament, it's just not her, <laughs> it's always going to be a battle. And so, you know, knowing your kid um, and knowing what they can handle should be taken into account too. So even with little ones, um, knowing what they can handle as far as, is it okay for them to be going through like, especially YouTube kids? Like I, for me, like this child, because she couldn't get off of it and it was like a constant stream. I just said, you know, we, we can't do that for you. Like, we're just going to take it away. Um, and it changed, it changed her whole use of screens. It changed the tone of our household. Like it, but that's her as a child, right? Some kids can handle it. Some parents can handle it. And um, for us, it just wasn't the best choice. And so I just, I really, I want to empower parents. And we talk about empowering parents so often to really trust your gut on this. Like you don't have to do what, um, you know, other people are telling you you have to do. Um, you, you don't also have to try not to give into your kids. I mean, I can tell you if you were to interview my daughter, she would say, I am ruining her life for some of the stuff I don't <laughs> let her do. I'm sure she but, would at that age. You know, but I, I really do believe that these are the right choices. And, and honestly, sometimes I've made mistakes and that's something to keep in mind too. When you, you decide on something and then you see this isn't working for me or it's not working for my child. It's not working for my family. You can do a do over. 
start over. Like, I think sometimes parents think like, oh, I, but I already gave them that privilege. They are allowed to go on YouTube or they are allowed to play that video game. Um, And it was a mistake. And I think being really upfront and honest with your kids and saying, you know what? I made a mistake. I thought we could handle this and I I can't. And I'm seeing it's my job to keep you safe and healthy. And this isn't keeping you healthy. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the best thing for you. And I need to take a step back and, and apologize. I've done that with my my children and said, I'm really sorry. I, I, I was a, this was my choice. Sorry, but we're going to do it to a do-over. We're going to start over and come up with new structures because this one isn't working for us. Um, and I think with screens especially, it's important to keep tabs on that. You know, like I said, the, the thing where using it as kind of like my babysitter while I took a shower when they were little I don't need to do that anymore. So at a certain point, like your kids just like see you getting ready to get on a work call or get in the shower and they're like, give me my screen. Like, it's almost like you've conditioned them, right? To like, yeah. So, you know, knowing does this routine still serve us? Is it necessary? Do I need this still? And really being, you know, not getting too caught up in those routines that don't that don't work for your family anymore. Um, is a big one too. Yeah, and I mean, well, and I like the revisiting thing. I think that that's just a really good point in well in life and in parenting in general it's like it's okay to go back and say like I don't believe or think what I once thought and I don't think that that's going to serve our family like I once thought it would or maybe you know here's an example and we'll talk about this more when we have our gaming person on it's like maybe you said I don't want you playing Minecraft because it's addictive and it's just too much like you're always on it But maybe you can look for reasons why it can be okay. And then like you started this part of the conversation with set the boundaries and the expectations and then go from there. So, I mean, I think revisiting it in either direction is an important thing to do. And I just wholeheartedly believe that with life in general. Like just because you said something five years ago or you believed something five years ago doesn't mean you believe it now. And that's okay. And it's probably a good thing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we, we always go back to two that it's important. It is important to, to just check in and see like, what are my rules? What, why do I have this rule? Like, is right. this rule still an okay rule? Like, do I still think this, Like, you know, saying that over and over again, and it doesn't really like Emily and I always say too, like, it doesn't matter what your rules are as long as you have them and you stick to them. So, and if they're, if they're one that you again and again, let them bend, get rid of it. It's not a real rule. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to Thing, you know, and I think that happens a lot with screens where, you know, there was a time too where I'd be like, you know, you can't watch TV. So after your homework's done, that ended up not working for my kids. Like I, I'm not always home right when they get home and like, they're like, they want to wait for me. They want to see me. And I'm like, fine, 30 minutes, you know, you can watch TV. Um, and I always, people laugh at me for saying TV, but I actually do still have a TV. I don't know. People don't always, but I like it. Cause I'm like, they're not really just right in front I of know, the I know I have less guilt about watching the TV. And hear what they're listening to. Like for me, I'm, you know, call me old fashioned, but I still, I still no, like a TV. I'm the same way because I, I actually feel, I just feel like they tinker around more with other stuff when the TV's on, like they'll be watching Paw Patrol and they're like playing Paw Patrol as well. And when yeah. their face is in a screen, it's just a much different, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. they do zone out on the TV as well sometimes, but I just, I do notice that my kids will watch and then they'll go get toys and they'll do a little bit of both. So I just feel like in some ways they're still being a little bit creative when they're yeah, on the TV sound. It's, a little, it's like there's a little space between them and the screen. I feel like. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Did you have any other tips for that? Yeah. So I guess I would just, you know, make sure you give yourself some grace in the moment. Like mistakes are going to happen. If you're going to decide to have screens, things are going to happen that you didn't want to have happen. I mean, it's just inevitable, right? Like they're going to see something you don't want them to see. They're going to do something you don't want them to do. Um, You're going to get in over your head at some point and say like, wow, this really got away from me. Like I thought I had my hands around this. I don't. Um, It's happened to me. Um, You know, it's happened to friends. It's happened to just about everybody. And just knowing, you know, that's okay. Just give yourself some grace and say like, okay, let's, let's see what, you know, what happened here, like where we went wrong and let's revisit it. Um, You know, just really being aware of it, right? Because these screens are really powerful, like, especially if you're giving them an iPad or a tablet and you're, um, or giving them a computer or even handing them your phone. I find like that is the biggest one that worries me sometimes because my, my kids will just grab my phone sometimes and be like, oh, I want to find this. Like, I want you to order this or let me, I just want to show you this one thing. And you know, my phone doesn't have all the restrictions. Right. There's so 
and you know, whether it's grandma's phone or an aunt's phone or a babysitter's phone, like things can get pretty serious pretty fast. I mean, you know, so, you know, just being aware and giving yourself grace in the moment that mistakes are going to happen and knowing that that is one of the risks of doing it, of having screens around and putting them in their hands. Um, you know, as much as there are so many amazing benefits to it, I do think that there are some, there are definitely some slippery places and dangerous places for kids. So just being aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I've been so frustrated sending because they send the computers home with the kids now. And I'm like, I kind of have to get over my frustration because I'm like, Lindsay, it is 2021. Like your third grader should know how to use a computer. No. You know, like it's not the worst thing ever, but we do try to like limit it on weekends and things like that. But yeah, I, I've had to like, cause I, we, we've been so anti iPads and things like that, that I've had to try to like really reconcile with, with the whole situation. Like it's actually okay that my kid's on a computer. Like, yeah. you know, beyond all the restriction talk and all that, like, and we need to be careful with what they're watching. Um, like, it's not a bad thing that he's on his computer, all, you know, like at certain times. Absolutely. And and there, that's, you know, exactly like what we keep coming back to, too, is that these kids are going to have to be a little computer savvy. I mean, I mean we that's use computers. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is like something you have to teach them how to do. It's like you teach them how to run their bike helmet, look both ways. Like you have to teach them how to use these tools because they're going to be put in their hands at some point, whether you do or not. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. Emily, by the way, you guys sent me the cutest little like package from work and play of activities for my kids. And we had so much fun with them and they were simple, but I never would have put them together myself. And you guys ship out that stuff, right? We do. People can order those little play kits. Yeah, you can. And we, you know, we do phone calls, we do, um, you know, parent coaching, we do all kinds of different services for people trying to just meet them where they are. Um, we do, we're starting doing parent talks where we talk to parent groups and talk at schools. Um, we're starting to work with teachers. So we're really excited about that because, um, you know, we're really hoping to continue this, this idea of partnership with parents and teachers and helping teachers, um, build that connection between home and school in a really positive way and being really mindful about that. So, you know, it's just lots of exciting things where we've kind of, we're, we're changing and expanding in many ways. That's so exciting. I'm so happy yeah. for you guys. I'm congratulations for taking the leap and going all in with it. Thank you. Thanks. All right, Amy, what is something professionally or personally you're doing it, I guess a little bit professionally, right. (laughs) That you would like to do that you haven't done yet. Yeah. So for me, like I've been a teacher for so long and I, I love being in the classroom, but I really am pushing myself to get out of the classroom and, you know, try to make these connections, you know, starting work and play was, um, one of the, the first big step in that is something that Emily and I've been talking about for years and years and years. Um, and just finally doing that and doing things like this, um, and really connecting with people. So, you know, making that my focus, um, and just being really, um, really aware of the opportunities that come my way. I think as, as a teacher and any, like any working parent would say, you get so kind of in the zone of, of working, of taking care of your kids, of, of doing all the things that you're supposed to do. And, and sometimes you are not, for me, I'm just not even aware that like, Oh, well, this is really, I find this really interesting and intriguing and really seeing myself as someone who is willing to take a risk and, and try something new. That's really what I want to do. I mean, I know that's a really vague answer, but I also, you know, I feel really strongly that I want to be aware of the opportunities that are in front of me, especially at this point in my career, um, to get out of the classroom a little bit and, still teach because I love teaching. It's just my favorite, but I, I need to expand this part of myself, like listening to this, you know, this is where I'm being pulled to. So I'm, I just, I need to listen to that voice more. Yeah. I love that. Like following where you are curious. If you're curious, if you keep being curious about it and you keep thinking about it, follow that, figure it out. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? (sighs) Oh, well, I've just actually revisited a book that I've read before. And I, it's, I, <laughs> I've been, maybe because I have two girls who are, who are the ages that they are, but I've revisited the Lisa Demore books. I don't know if you've read those. Um, she's, I re- reread Untangled uh-huh. um, and uh, Under Pressure. Those are both great books. And actually they, I read them through my work actually as like a professional reading. We did a, we, she actually came and spoke to our school, oh, but cool. um but it actually helped me with my son too. So don't, don't limit it to just being for parents of girls. It actually was really helpful. Um, and when I was thinking about my son too, but I just, 
those are her books and even, you know, her talks and uh, her podcast. They really, and I think she writes for all different publications, really do speak to me as a parent. And they help me kind of start conversations, even with my partner saying like, oh, you know, I... I haven't been thinking about this. Like I heard this or I read this or, you know, this is, we're going into this new phase and we need to really focus in on this. Right. So um, her books have been super enlightening to me (laughs) as a parent. I know my best friend is reading that book untangled. Her daughter is 10. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's, but I'm telling you, it's great, great for boy moms too. So I don't. know I'm reading 14 talks before 14. Oh, that's a great one. Have you read it? You have. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to interview Michelle. So yeah. oh. I'm excited about that. It's, it's a good one. Great. My oldest Perfect. is, yeah, my oldest is nine and I feel like I'm in a good spot to, to read that book. And I'm already feeling like I'm using some of the ideas she gives for like conversation starters and stuff. Right. I do. And I think like a lot of times and with my takeaways from books like that too, are it just kind of, it, it reframes my thinking. Yeah. Right. I don't, I'm not, I'm not great at follow through. I'll tell you, like I bought right. like, different, different workbooks and different, you know, like, I'm not great at that stuff, but I do know that like I go back to it, right? Like it, it does kind of, if I give myself time to like reflect on it and think about it in my own life, like I do go back to it and it does change how I do things. So, you know, I think it's important to, to listen to those different perspectives too. I agree. And I read them and sometimes it's the most basic stuff and I'll like repeat it back to my husband. He's like, yeah, well done. I'm like, yeah, well you're not thinking about it until you read it. Right. Like I just like, (laughs) you really think about these really basic things and then it just makes more sense. Like everything makes more Mm -hmm. sense. And I yeah, don't want to just go through the motions. Right? And we go in so many different phases with our kids. They're always changing and growing and, and we're changing as parents. So things hit you differently. Like that's why I like to reread books that I really, that really speak to me. Cause I think like I'm going to take something different away this time. And I always do. For sure. Um, do you have a kid's book you recommend? Mm, doll, I've been reading lots of books, obviously in my <laughs> classroom. Um, well, been we recently we're reading uh, the classic chicken soup with rice. We love that when we're talking about the months. So if you've little ones, that's so fun. And there's a song that goes with it. So we love that. Emily and I always do that. Um, there's one, a book called going up by uh, Sherry Lee, which is amazing. Um, my class really responds to that. Any of the Pete, the cat books, um, huge, huge hits. Um, yeah. And with my, you know, with big kids, I find I'm a big proponent of letting them read whatever they want, whether it's like the cereal box or the newspaper or, you know, a chapter book. And so it's funny. I was thinking about this, like, what would I recommend? And I was asking my nine-year-old and she was like, mom, like, I don't know, like read anything. Just tell them that read anything, (laughs) (laughs) read anything. I agree. (laughs) I keep thinking I want to get, I think it was Michelle in her book. There was a suggestion to get like a subscription to like a sports magazine or something. And I just, I don't want to do it just to do it and to push it on him. I want to do it if I, if he'll actually read it. So I have to figure out a way to make it sound exciting. I don't know. (laughs) Right. I know. Well, it is funny now, you know, I can tell you like over the last several years, like, you know, when I'm teaching three-year-olds, so we talk about the letters and things. And and sometimes when we get, whenever we get to N and we show them a picture of a newspaper for something that starts with N, they're like, they have no idea what it is. (laughs) Zero, like zero. I mean, I don't, I haven't got a newspaper delivered me. I know. And so I always talk about that. Like, what do my kids see me read as a parent? Like, I want them to know that I'm a reader too. So whether I'm reading a book or if I'm reading something on my, you know, device saying like, oh, I'll talk to you in a minute. I'm just reading the newspaper. (laughs) Like, whatever. I know they don't know. Like, I know. I, I think about that a lot because my husband doesn't do social media, but he reads articles on his phone all the time. And yeah, it's almost like you want to clarify to your kids what you're doing. Cause I, I also, I read half of my books, regular books, and I read half of them on the Kindle. And when I'm on the Kindle, I don't want them to confuse it and think I'm just scrolling through my phone. Like I'm reading a, no- a novel here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's tricky times in that way. I'm telling you, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Emily, what's your, oh wait, do you have a, a trip that you ha- have gone with your kids or that you recommend? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. I, I really, I'll tell you, like we, we don't take a ton of trips because of our, our work life. Like my husband is a chef. So, um, Oh, that is tough. A little tricky and I'm a teacher. So my schedule is a little tricky, but I would say like any trip, whether it's a day trip or, 
um, you know, a weekend or, you know, we go to the beach every summer with our family, like anything we can do to just really stop and reconnect and find something to do that, that we can just be together, even if they're like kicking and screaming, <laughs> the kids, you know, like we always say like, let's go take a hike. And they're, they're my big kids are like, no, I know I they complain, <laughs> you know, and it's like, should we bring the dog? Should we not bring the dog? You know, it can be really stressful getting there, but I think anything that we do that we really take the time to just stop and be together, especially as my kids are getting older, um, is what I always go back to in my mind. And some of those are really simple, super quick trips to the beach for the day or, um, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, I don't have one in particular, but we always go to the beach. I'm a big, that's, if I have a choice, I'm going to take my kids to the beach, <laughs> any beach. <laughs> Do you, um, as your kids are getting older, your youngest is nine. That's the age of my oldest. Do you get nostalgic or like sad teaching three-year-olds knowing that like that season of life has been done for a while? Yeah. I mean, I never, I, I'm not one of those people that tells people, oh, you know, soak it up. It goes so fast. Even though I think it, yeah. I just, I never liked hearing that as a parent myself. Right. right. So I try not to say that, but it is true. Like I am, I am sad that it's over, but I also know that like, I don't want to do that again. So there's like kind of the bittersweet, like I did that. I'm fine with that. I love and that you just know that. <laughs> That's a very good feeling. Yes. It's a good feeling. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so when we got out of the, the toddlerhood, when I was, I mean, I was teaching threes when I had it, my yeah. oldest was three, um, where he was a little, he's like probably three and a half when I started. And so, um, I've always, you know, had years and years and years where I was teaching threes and I had a three-year-old oh, at home gosh. and that was, it was a lot. <laughs> so I'm happy to be out of that. Phase. I'm dealing with your kids all day and my kids when I get home. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I've always wondered that about the teachers that, that are walking through it and teaching all day. I'm like, man. You guys are the real heroes. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> so these people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I'm not sure I do every day, but I try. <laughs> I'm here physically. I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, well, what is your last message to leave with the audience today? You know, something Emily and I always say is, is that parenting is messy. And that's what we go back to so often. And um just remembering that like, it's okay to have things go, go off the rails and to not know stuff and to feel like you are really, you know, quote unquote, messing it up because that's part of the journey. And so I just always am wanting to tell parents and reassure parents that it, this is part of the process and there's always room for improvement and there's always room for, you know, giving yourself a pat on the back. So try to try to balance that and just accept that, you know, it's not always going to be, um, neat and tidy. It's not always going to be emotionally, you know, easy. Um, but just to stick with it and to find people that, you know, you really can rely on and to talk to and talk things through because it's this parenting thing was not meant to be done alone. Um, you know, and it's so hard this, this time that, you know, it, it can be so isolating. I mean, we're so busy. Um, there's so few ways to connect sometimes if you're working and taking care of your children and, you know, in the car or you're, you know, only connecting through text messages, it can feel really super isolating. Um, and so just owning that it's, it's hard, but also knowing that if, if it is hard, you're, you're probably doing it right. <laughs> and just trying to, um, be in that moment. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just be kind to yourself because it can be really hard to be a parent today. I love Emily's advice to me when I talked to her when I about moving. She was like, call your friends, like pick up the phone and call your friends because she said that she had been through that as well. And, yeah. and I know you and her talk all on the phone a lot. And and what, yeah. what, at least one of my friends, we've been really good about picking up the phone and talking. And and one thing I will say about that is if you are too busy to pick up the phone and do like 20 minutes a couple times a week, you're probably too busy. Like there's probably something to delete. Yeah. And you know what? And you might be avoiding something, right? Like, oh, I don't want to talk to that friend. She's going to tell me something I don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you need to slow down or I want to see you like you got to take a break or, you know, and sometimes we just aren't ready to hear that. So I know, I, I mean, I, you're right. Emily and I talk a lot. I talk to my sister a lot. I talk to my mom a lot. So it's like, people that you can rely on that keep you honest and kind of know you and can say to you, like, you know, this is a lot right now. This sounds like a lot. You know, we all need that. It's because it is. Jeez, it is. It's a lot. <laughs> I was in the worst mood on Monday, like just 
rotten, 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 rotten. Or maybe it was Tuesday, I don't know. And then the next day, or that night, I ended up calling one of my friend and we talked for 40 minutes. And then the next day I had the best day. And I'm like, I think that those two things like really, I think that that, that had a lot to do with it. And I don't, yeah. you know, I can't like prove that it was probably a hormone shift as well. But like, <laughs> I, I know that it was helpful. And so, yeah, I mean, even if your friend isn't one to pick up the phone and call you, don't be offended, pick up the phone and call them. Yeah, absolutely. It's connecting is so important, especially when you're a parent. I mean, we just, it's, it's lonely. It's, it's imperative. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you need somebody outside of your house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all right, Amy. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Amy, for coming on the podcast. You can learn more about Amy's work and Emily's work at workandplayecc.com. They are also on Instagram, workandplayecc. You can find this podcast on Instagram. Why is everyone yelling? Because why is everyone yelling? We also have a Facebook page and group. We're going to get that Facebook page rocking again. I kind of let it slack and we're going to build that up. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. That's my personal account. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Check us out on Instagram, Sandy Boy Productions. Thank you for being here. If you ever have a guest you'd like to hear from on this show, send myself an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com or my assistant, Emma, at sandyboyproductions.com and we will check out your guest suggestion. All right. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time on Why Is Everyone Yelling?